Glory to God. Well, good morning, Grace and Truth Church, and for everyone else who's watching or listening by any other means at any other time. This happens to be Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to all the mothers, and really women everywhere. We just celebrate them, because without women, there would be no men, <laughs> and vice versa. <laughs> and when we, if you dig them up 200 years from now, and they're still going to be able to tell what they were, <laughs> not what they felt like they were. Praise God. That should settle it. <laughs> but God bless everyone. We just love you today, and we just want to say happy Wednesday. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your blessing. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you for helping everyone who needs your help, which is all of us, Lord. So we just thank you for your precious word. We thank you for using me today. We thank you that it will heal the people everywhere they hurt and empower them, that they'll feel your love and be prospered in every way, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> I love uh, the quote from Abraham Lincoln. I used to have a set of his uh, memoirs, and, or not memoirs, but all of his letters and writings and everything. But he said, Abraham Lincoln said, all that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. funny side of that, Phyllis Diller. Y'all remember that comedian? <laughs> she was a hoot. She said, I always wanted my kids to have all the things I never could afford. Then I want to move in with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that actress Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. My wife likes her. Uh, she said, if you aren't yelling at your kids, you're not spending enough time with them. <laughs> I know, even my wife, we were talking last night about, you know, because she's just like, she just does everything. She loves all the kids, but especially now the grandkids. We got four, and she just, you know, she's just there with them and for them all the time. And she puts up with a whole lot. But when they cross that line, you know, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and she made it clear to the kids, the kids too, hey, if they're with me, don't, don't butt in. <laughs> of course, we're very mindful of their wishes and all that. But hey, don't mess with Nani is the word <laughs> on the street. She's earned that. Amen. Like all you mothers. We love y'all for it. I think of, uh, I want to get right into the message, but my wife was, we were talking this morning. She was saying, I like, you know, I always like thinking about Eve and all that. And so, we, I guess it's good to mention the first mother that we ever had in this world and through whom everyone came was Eve, Adam and Eve. And uh, you know, if uh, anyone ever wants to feel sorry for themselves, I guess they could just look at Eve. If they, a mom was having a hard time, there's a lot of examples in the Bible, you know what I mean? Like, like you know what I mean? It's, it's hard being a mom, I get that. And I'm not trying to claim I know especially even the, having the baby. So I checked out a full disclaimer here. I'm not trying to get, get tomatoes thrown at me. But, you know, you look at, uh, you look at Sarah, you know, she had Isaac, which means laughter, at 90. And Abraham was 100. When, when the Lord told, told, told them they were going to have him, uh, he cried, few years because they were in their 70s. 
she laughed. You know, that's why the Lord said he would be called laughter. You know, Isaac, that's what that means. But what she said is, really, she laughed. She said, you mean I'll still have pleasure with my husband? <laughs> so, I mean, think about it. Eh? 90 out of 100, eh? you know. So, but that probably wasn't easy, you know, watching after. Of course, they had, they were pretty wealthy, so I'm sure they had a lot of nannies. Shouldn't have tried that with that one nanny first, though. They wouldn't have Ishmael. We wouldn't still be fighting them today. Amen. <laughs> that wasn't smart, but Eve, you know, she had lots of problems. Uh, uh, you know, to be kicked out of paradise, you know. Garden of Eden, um, something that's created perfectly for for us to be in fellowship with God and to lose all that, you know. Sign on the door <laughs> with two angels with swords <laughs> saying you can't come back in ever. <laughs> and set out, you know, to work the land and sweat and suffer, basically. Consequences of that sin to have one of your children kill another one, you know, she had a rough time. And then they had to live hundreds of years with that. And we know that Adam was 900 something years old. We don't know how old she was. And the Bible doesn't mention her death, which is kind of good, I guess. But I wanna just I guess the Lord put on my heart just to let mothers, you know, the, one of the things that you find with most mothers is that they, they have a lot of condemnation and guilt in their lives. Just, you know, always thinking back, wish I woulda, wish I shoulda, you know, and we all do that to some extent. Of course, it's good to reflect, but you don't want to be too introspective when you're talking or thinking about, especially if, if you were like, most of us who didn't grow up in church and you were basically uh, a, a, a not born again when you know especially the mistakes you made when you weren't born again you should, that person's dead now <laughs> so you know it's it's not good to carry that baggage with you around of course you want to do the best you can but if you can't say you did anything else right you got them here and listen you know all this my baby and you know my family my no they're they're gods they're on loan he allowed you to have a child he blessed you with a child look at look at um, all the women in the Bible that you know just wanted a, a baby so badly it's a gift you know uh, you're supposed to bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That just means to respect and honor God and to know his ways. And, and then, of course, to tend and care for them. But then you give them back to God. Doesn't mean you ever stop loving them. And they're probably going to be, especially like the mother-daughter relationship, which I never, I'm still studying. <laughs> I hate you, Mom. What'd you say about her? Don't you talk to my mother that way. <laughs> you know, best friends anyway but they have a, a special bond and uh, anyway it's just the, the point about the baggage is it's really imperative that we as Christians and you know mothers I just bring it up because it seems to be there a lot with mothers but all of us just quit trying to make up for the past all the time I mean we do what we can and you know, where, you know, apologies are made or, or you know, you just, but, but just changing is the best thing to do, you know. Change, repent, that's all that means. Repent is not getting on your knees and begging and groveling for forgiveness. Repenting is changing your mind regarding the things of God. The thing you were in opposition to God to in your mind had a wrong mindset about it or you just handled things differently than he would instruct you to you just repent and agree with him you start right where you're at and you go forward that's all you can do you cannot change one thing by worrying about the past and all you do is you carry that baggage into the future and into the present 
and then you harm the current relationships that you have. Yeah, and then you make other people pay for the mistakes of others. <laughs> That's not fair. You see what I'm saying? So we all need to be free. It doesn't. It sounds like I'm just writing everyone a, an excuse slip, you know. And that's what a lot of people think anyway. When you become a Christian, is that you're just trying to just get away with, you know. Actually, the consequences of everything that you do are still here. They're very real, right? I mean, I mean, if I if I go out and commit a crime, I, you know, I'm gonna, I go to jail. You know, if you. If you're, uh, you're unfaithful and all that, you can you can screw up that that deal, you know, lose your whole family. I mean, there's consequences of sin in this life are still very real. It's this that the war with God is over. He's forgiven us of everything that we've ever done or ever will do once we've come to Him and entered into Jesus. And that's a good thing. And... Uh, You just need to agree with God about who you are now. That's the important thing. Because if you keep looking in the mirror and seeing that the failures and the, the past and the, all the ugly, then it's going to hinder your today. And today is the day for God. It's not even tomorrow, really. He does have a plan, a future for you. And he'll show you one or two steps down the road. He's not going to show you the whole the whole journey, or you wouldn't go. <laughs> if he showed you the flat tire from here to there, you know, you'd say, "Well, can I get a ride from somebody else?" Right? <laughs> but God loves you, and He has a plan. And, and there's only ever one day in the kingdom of God. It's called today, and that's the one we should focus on. Wake up in the morning. Thank God for it, for what we do have, what he has done, and ask him what he has for today and go about our business of trying to spend all the grace that he gives us for that day. Amen. Amen. Allow his grace to, to heal us and help us regarding those things of the past or whatever else is going on in our lives. We need to cast our cares. I never forget... Uh, my Uncle Mike, who was like a hero, he was like John Wayne uh, to us, and we all loved him. But I never forget seeing this six foot five cowboy sitting on a concrete bench outside the funeral home when my grandmother passed, just sobbing, you know, by himself. And I walked by and I saw him, and he just looked up and he said, Take care of your mother, son. You only get one. Yeah, so God bless all you mamas. <clears throat> I'm going to try to skip ahead of some stuff and get into the heart of the message so that I don't miss it. <laughs> Usually I get sidetracked, which is okay. Holy Spirit, have your way. So if he takes me down a rabbit trail, it's not what I thought he wanted to say. That's, that's wonderful to me because he's speaking to somebody. But nevertheless, I'm going to try to get to the message that I think he wants me to share. Um, there's a question that I've asked before from mamas, because I, I remember my mama, she would always on the holidays or Mother's Day or whatever, like especially when she got older, maybe she'd be in her bed and she'd walk in and say, oh, you know, and then she, she had, there's five of us kids, or there were, until my brother passed, but uh, she would ask, have you heard from so-and-so today? You know, one of them, have you heard from so-and-so? No, mama. You know, Cindy called, but I haven't heard from Teresa or Vicky or Lester or whatever. Oh, and then she'd just go to making excuses for them. You know, well, you know, they got this going on and all this. And, and this, that's a mama. That's a mama's heart, you know. Wants to hear from, but she always asks, have you heard from so-and-so? So I've asked the question of mothers, and you know, it's famous Mother's Day, so we're talking to mothers, but we're talking to all of us. Have you have you heard from the Lord today? You know, that's the question that I want you to ask yourself. Have you heard from the Lord today? 
Because if faith, we're called to a life of faith, aren't we? It's my just, the just shall live by faith. Who are the just? The justified, those who have been justified by the blood of Jesus, just as if I had never sinned, right? My just shall live by faith. And so if faith is the hand that reaches out and obtains the things provided by the grace of God through the atonement of Jesus, and it is, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, then you need ears that hear, spiritual ears, right? We know when Jesus asks those questions all the time, for those who have ears to hear, let them hear. We know they all had physical ears, or we can assume at least most of them did. Because <laughs> uh, Peter hadn't cut Malchus's ear off yet in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus even fixed that, so... Yeah. We assume they had ears. Then we need our spiritual hearing. So we've, we've talked a lot about hearing God. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. But Jesus did mention in Matthew chapter 13. And the 15th verse. He said for this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear. And their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn or repent and I would heal them. And all these are spiritual examples. I mean the natural examples of spiritual truths. He's talking about our spiritual sight and hearing. And he's just yearning and really just quite amazed that so many of his creation just didn't even recognize him even though they said they've been waiting for him for all that time we pray for God's will to be done and his greatest desire is for us to know him amen and to fellowship with him we ask him to speak to us don't we oh God just let it be you let me know what it is you want from me then when he answers, we just think it's our voice. We're just talking to ourselves or, or our own thoughts. But, you know, he, he's always speaking. And we just, our receivers are broken. We need to practice hearing him, which we've been, those of you who have been journaling and talking to him every morning for the last several months, your hearing has increased. Your spiritual hearing, it's a guarantee. But he's always talking. We just aren't listening or we don't recognize that it's his voice. A lot of times people are stuck in a religious mindset. And so they don't want to really, we don't want to hear from God. Why? Because they think of God as the, if, if God talks to me, it's only to bring correction. Nobody wants to talk to somebody. <laughs> you know, if you got a mean uh, parent, you know, and you're a kid, and you know they don't ever have anything nice to say. You, you, you got, you got to pass through that house that they don't even know about. Try to avoid them. <laughs> they ain't got nothing good to say to me. Why should I even come in contact with them? That's the way religion is. It teaches you that God's, you know, he's he's watching you all the time, and he's prepared to. You know, like he's Zeus with that lightning bolt. He's not. He had a lightning bolt. If you want to use that example of his judgment for sin. And he threw it at Jesus on the cross for your sin. Until he exhausted his judgment. War is over for you. Between you and God. Now... Thank God that we learn here the truth about what the Word says, that we do have an enemy, a very active enemy with an army, and he's out to get us. He hates us. The thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's Satan, his army. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly through him, right? Yeah. We deal with... Uh, Sickness, strife, heartache, conf 
confusion, poverty, because we just, we get used to it. We just think that's part of life. You see what I'm saying? And every week you can hear provision is in the promises. God has made provision for all that. And even evangelical settings or whatever type of, I don't like those titles. I don't even know what I am. I'm just a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. And I guess that has a lot to do with the gifts of the Spirit and all the things that are ours according to the Word of God. So I just go by what Jesus has taught me because he agreed to be my teacher when he called me to the ministry. And I want everything that he has for me. And he's assured me that we're going to need everything that he has for us. All the power, all the privileges and benefits and anointing and victory. We need it, especially as the times grow nearer for his return. And believe me, they're coming. My wife is convinced, and I like the thought that uh, neither one of us are going to uh, die here. Of course, death has lost its sting anyway. Just to, have to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord now that we know him have received him as our Lord and Savior. But she's always said that, no, he's, he's coming back in our lifetime. We want to get him. Like, all right. That would be awesome. I'm all for it. But, you know, we we say, oh, well, I've you know, had this sickness or whatever. And we pray, pray for it, right? And then you get healed. They say, oh, well, that medicine worked. Or, oh, man, here's my doctor's number. You know, and, oh, where'd you go? What'd you, oh, what did they use this medicine? Up? Yeah. It's like, I mean, yeah. Even if, he, even if he did use those things to bring help, expedite your healing, why not first go to God and just give him thanks? That's right. I talk to people, I cannot tell you, it, almost every time, that I talk to someone about their needs and we pray. Or if, especially if I initiate. Now if someone's coming to me in faith and they're really strong in faith and they believe and they stand on the promises and they just want the power of the prayer of agreement. They, sometimes, you know, they, they get it. But most of the time I'm talking to somebody about an issue they have, especially if I initiate the prayer, Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they'll pray and they go, amen. But and then they'll just continue right on with the conversation they were having before about the pains, and the, what they've been going through, the doctor's appointments, and this and that and the other. Not even miss a beat. It's like, wait. We said amen in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's power in that. The provision is in there because we just prayed the perfect will of God. Now, all that other needs to cease doesn't mean you can't go to the doctor. It doesn't mean you, you can't admit that something is, is hurting or coming against you. Or, you know, hey, yeah, this, you know, I don't care what it is. You, you don't have to deny it. This isn't Christian science, which isn't Christian or science. Oh, that's not my arm on the floor there, you know, whatever. Yeah, this thing tried to come against me. I, we had COVID real bad. And that ticked me off. My, mom, my wife and I, we still... She's, she's, I've been mad at the devil ever since it started and she's mad now because the getting your energy back and all that seems to be taking way longer than anything should. And she's just getting ticked off at the devil with me, which is where our anger belongs, you know? And that's how it should be. <laughs> but A lot of times I think Christians, and I, I'm getting somewhere, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to expedite my arrival. If I, if I get into certain things, I won't get to the things I want to get to. I just want to say this, do you think that Christians a lot of times just praying out of a sense of duty or... You know, I think I'm supposed to pray. Oh, I better go pray. <laughs> Just like reading their Bible. A lot of times they're doing it out of, and it's a religious mindset. You know, now 
you know, don't get me wrong. Sometimes it's not fun to, uh, you know, take away from the fun that you're having elsewhere, you know, or could be, or sleeping, or or whatever, and, and go and just be alone with the with God. Now, I, I love being with God, so he's not taking offense by that. I'm telling the truth. I know how, I know how people's minds think. It's not always fun to go. You know, it's kind of like going to the gym. Sometimes it's very hard to go, but you're never sad you went. You know what I mean? <laughs> Same thing with God. And he knows that. But the thing is, if you make it into a religious thing, and you're sitting there praying, and you're like, you know what he's doing? Oh, uh, he's doing the same thing. Come back when you want to be real. You know, everybody just always, oh, I'm just being real. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I just want, you know, this and that. You know, well, hey, he's more real than any of us. He already knows everything about us. And when we try to put on a facade for him, he's like, why don't you just get up and go pray? Pray as you go, you know? Hey, when something comes on your mind, the best thing is when you, we could, here's what we're talking about, a relationship. What he wants is a relationship. Instead of trying to enter into a relationship with Jesus by, I'm going to pray an hour a day and, and, you know, read my Bible an hour a day. Now, see, some people are squared away, like especially, you know, I look at Randy, you know, old military guy. He's disciplined anyway, you know. He probably gets up earlier than any of us, you know. And he loves reading his Bible. That's not a religious work for him. He enjoys it. He's excited about it. Every time I see him, he can't wait to tell me what, you know. And it's, that's, that's awesome. That's how it, it, we want it to be, though. And that's how Jesus wants it to be. Until then, just start... You know how he says, like, even with uh, your tithes and offering, right, that you're giving. In Malachi, he says, test me in this. You know what I mean? In other words, I know you need your money. I'm trying to get money to you. Let me show you how sowing and reaping works. Test me in this. In other words, give me a dollar. See if I don't give you a hundred. You know, and he spoils people, you know, when they, when they, start, when they start learning. Then they, okay. Wow, that worked, you know. I mean, I've seen people that they, they like a, a pastor friend was saying, he had a young woman, she was a single mother, needed every penny she got, but she'd been listening to him. They're really big on giving in their church and everybody's prospering and doing well. And she said, she came and she, she said, Pastor, I had to talk to you. And she, he said, she said, last week, I, I, I said, I was going to try it. Because you said that the Lord says, test me in this. And she said, I, I gave, I gave uh, $38 uh, into the basket. And I was a little worried because it put me below what I needed to just make ends meet. And she goes, before I, well, when I was walking out of the foyer, somebody from here that I'd never seen before walked up to me gave me an envelope and said the Lord told me to give you this and it was $380. <laughs> uh, Tavana and I had the same thing happen when we were new in the, the faith. Uh, we sent in like uh, $52 someone was requesting. It was even a, it was a television person, you know, the ones that you like, that's a scam or whatever usually. I just looked at her and I said, I think I, I, I'm, I, I'm sort of led to do that. She goes, do it. I wrote the check and mailed it in. We forgot about it, you know, and within a couple of weeks, we got a check in the mail for, I said it was 52, so it was 5,200 and then there was numbers after that and even some change. And then I determined that that was a scripture. And the scripture for the balance of that after the 5200, 
because I was in Psalms or whatever. Anyway, it turned and I, I turned right to it, and it was like it's better to trust in, in God than to trust in man. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. And so that's the kind of fun that God wants to have with us. And so we want to start talking to Him about everything and let Him get involved because that's what He really wants. So. I believe that faith, that, that prayer is the generator for a church. We really want, we really want to pray. I just don't want it to be a work. I want everybody to have fun with the Lord because He is fun. He's interesting, and He's interested in everything about you. That's the thing. But that prayer has to be accompanied by faith, which comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Right. So, for that. So James, Jesus' brother James, he, in chapter 5, um, he says, you know, is any of you sick? Anyone among you sick? Let them come and call the elders of the church and let them uh, pray over them. And he said, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord, which is the important part. The authority is all in the name of Jesus, not about the prayer or the exact techniques of it or anything like that or how fancy it is or is it in the King James English or anything like that. Get your point across in your own words, in the name of Jesus, amen. And when that is done, that's when the power is released, amen. But it says, and the verse 15 in James chapter 5, he says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And not only that, it says, And if they committed any sins, they'll be forgiven. Amen. Amen. So, but the part people miss there is that the prayer of faith, it, it, it it's not just any prayer that saved the sick. Healing required a prayer of faith. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can pray for somebody and you don't have any more confidence in that prayer than they do. And then y'all both wondering why they stay sick. <laughs> I'm just saying, if we really believe what Jesus said, then we... You know, we sometimes they throw the baby out with the bathwater before we've ever given it a, really the good old college trial, as they would call it. You know, before you give up on believing and healing and prosperity and all that, at least do everything that, that God says to do in, in the way that he has it set up, the spiritual laws for you to cooperate with and participate with in order for you to receive what he has for you through that promise. If you haven't done it his way, then, you know, if your prayer life and the way that you're doing it isn't working out exactly like you would like it to, maybe tweak it a little bit. Just find out, let me see where I'm missing now on how, what God says to do, how to approach him. And what you're going to find is it's just believing and the promises and provision provided by grace through the cross and putting your confidence in it. You have to see it. You know, hope is a godly imagination. Yeah, imagination we usually think of as something in a, a carnal way or a worldly way. But when you turn that imagination to hope for the kingdom of God, it's a confident expectation of good from God. So what that hope does, it gives you an image, a vision. It's important for you to see, to see yourself healed, to see yourself prosperous, to see yourself whatever, the relationships healed or, you know, whatever it is. You believe for somebody else, see it, see it, see it, see it in your mind. And then, then it gives your faith a target. Amen. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's a, that's a foundational scripture, Romans 10, 17. So that's where your faith comes from. You've been given a measure of faith when you're born again. It's going to be strengthened and added, 
it's like a muscle in the spiritual realm, you know. We all have the same muscle groups, you know. I don't know, men and women might have a little bit of different, just like uh, the ribs. I don't remember the anatomy that well. But you get my point. Every man has the same muscle group. But are all of our muscles the same? <laughs> no. Because they're strengthened by with use. Yeah. Have to be exercised. And so everything in the natural there it's a sort of a something for you to look at, just like Jesus used natural things to explain spiritual truths all the time. Same thing with our spiritual muscle. We need to work it out. Otherwise, it'll be choked out by unbelief. The world is providing unbelief. The Bible is providing faith. You can operate in faith and unbelief at the same time. And depending on which, more, which one is fed the most, depending on which one's going to drag who over the line. Just like when they, Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration with the disciples and they couldn't heal that boy with the epileptic. And, and they asked him, Jesus later because he healed him. And he said, they said, why couldn't we do it? Because they'd already been healing people. He said, because of your unbelief. This one, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. So people think that that meant that there's a special, a strong demon that, that, that you have to really pray and fast to get him out. No, if the name of Jesus don't run him off, nothing will. What he's talking about by prayer and fasting is it gets your unbelief out. <laughs> it does, yeah. It doesn't make God do anything when you when you pray when you fast. It, it strengthens your faith. It, it shows you, hey, this body don't run me. I run it. I'm dependent on God, not on anything else. Body says, oh, you're going to kill me if you fast for a whole day. I'll go too. <laughs> anyway, you'll start hearing God a lot more clearly. So, but the point of this is today, especially being Mother's Day, Galatians 5 6 says that faith, so talking about all the religious stuff doesn't matter, is what he's, he's, he said before this. But he says, what does matter is only faith working through love. So faith works by and through love. That's a kingdom key right there. Because we, with the Christians, Love is not an option. <laughs> Love is not an option. Turn to 2 Peter 1. And this is where I was trying to go. And then we'll, we'll get right through this, okay? And it's going to add to you. You're going to be blessed. If you have your Bibles, go to 2 Peter. And then 1 Peter will be just before that. And we'll skip back and forth a couple times. Perhaps if I get to explain what I think I want to 2 Peter 1, or what you want to, Lord, have your way. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. And what the Lord is laying out here, the Holy Spirit, he laid out here, he's so kind. We don't want to have a, a number system or, or so many steps to success because that's sort of a legalistic approach. But it still doesn't hurt to have those things as long as you don't think of them as a formula with God, okay? So I always like sort of like five things that make my life easier, you know, with God. You know, I, I don't mind something like that. I don't put myself under the law about it, and you shouldn't either. But he's laid out seven upward steps, Peter did, sort of a progression towards uh, a goal that God is calling all believers to. And uh, don't turn off your, uh, your uh, TV set. <laughs> When I tell you what it is, because I'm not finished yet. I'm going to explain this to you. We're going to kill some sacred cows today. And it's going to help you to understand scriptures that sometimes people just don't turn to that page because they don't understand it or they don't like it. Okay. So let's talk about the seven upward steps. And the seventh, the seventh one. So let's just read these real quick. Uh, five through seven. So I'll start there. He's saying... For this very reason, he's talking about how we've been giving the great and precious promises of God, you see. And, uh, and it helps us to, to 
partake of the, the divine nature of God. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. So we're starting with faith. You have to have faith just to believe on Jesus, right? So you're starting with faith. So you add to faith virtue and virtue with knowledge. And to knowledge, you add self-control. And from self-control, you add steadfastness. And from steadfastness, you add godliness and godliness with brotherly affection or love and with brotherly affection with love. And this is agape love, okay? That's what I'm going to get to because I'm not going to minister on all the other six, but it's a progression. These are things, the natural order of basically how the Christian progresses and their, their walk with God. And when you get to the seventh one, it's love. And you're completing the perfecting. Yes, I said perfecting of the Christian in the image of God. And nobody's perfect. We'll get to that. But when you get to this agape love, and it's not just something you touch on from time to time, but you've it's been added up to you. It has become who you are. Your spirit's already in agreement with God, who is love. Now your mind, your soul, your will, and emotions have become in agreement with your spirit and with God. So that's the goal that Peter is setting for us, which is a very high standard and a very high goal. With God, you see, so now let's just assume we've gotten there. So now we're perfect. <clears throat> we're, it's, a, it's an uninterrupted, consistent Circle. If you ever read my book of God's love, uninterrupted love and goodness. There's four basic. Well, there's a lot of types of love in the Bible. There's four basic ones, and I'll just mention these. There's arrows is, is the first one, and that's just the kind that the world knows all too well. It's an, an erotic love. It's a physical passion, sexual love. Then you have the storge, which is uh, the natural affection through the King James. It talks about like a, a fat within a family, like a father and son relationship, or or something in the family. That sort of love. Then there's philia, philia, which is where we get the word, the names of the city, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. So that's what that is about. Philia love means friendship, basically, in its simplest form. And then the one I want to talk about today is agape, which is it's a it's a, a form of love that is normally associated with God Himself. And I would say that it, it has to be because He's the only God is the only source of agape love. Okay, it's an unconditional love. It's just a consistent, continual love. Okay? Now, go to Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. I didn't tell you that before, but I'm telling you now. Because I'm, uh, you're going to understand, if, you're, if you don't, if you can stay away, 15 minutes, we're going to finish this up, and you're going to understand this, and you're going to be able to tell other people about it. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8 is a perfect demonstration of the agape love of God in operation. So that, I always like an example. My wife's always like, paint me a picture, you know. <laughs> and so that's what this scripture does. It's God's love demonstrated toward us through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So Romans chapter 5. Verse 6 through 8. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But God shows his love, agape, for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Three types of people Jesus died for. Powerless, 
ungodly sinners. <laughs> All of us were that. And that's who he died for. The Bible says, no, you know, somebody might, you know, lay down their life, you know, for their fellow soldier or for a good person. Maybe it'd be very unusual. And it's in the soldier situation, it does it all the time because they're just in the midst of battle and people do amazing things, you know, under pressure. No one ever intended to be a hero. They just are made in the moment uh, from, from what I hear. <laughs> but he says he did this knowing full well what we were. We were powerless. We couldn't help ourselves. You see, I preach, I talk about the number five all the time. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, creation into which entered corruption or sin in the Garden of Eden. We were stuck. We were without God, without hope, nothing we could do to fix ourselves. We were stuck on four. And then re redemption came. Jesus, the grace of God, he came and bailed us out. And then we were ungodly. We were, or had become since we denied God in the garden, I'm talking about the seed. You have to look at everything in the seed form. So we all came from Adam initially. Thank God now we don't have Adam's seed. We have Jesus. But we were something naturally unappealing to God. God's holy and perfect. Nothing ungodly in his presence. They won't even, something we would, he would naturally just avert his eyes from. Is what we were. And then we were sinners. Rebels. We all like sheep have gone astray. All to our own way. You know. And God put the punishment for that rebellion on Jesus on the cross. That's what Isaiah said in chapter 53. We were at war with God. He didn't start it. We did. And he fixed it anyway. And he paid a dear, dear price to do it. For all of that, God gave his son, Jesus, to die on the cross. That's a picture of total selflessness, of self-giving. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So in our Christian lives, we all have moments of Agape, this this God kind of love, you know. We'll 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 stick and move with it from time to time. That's natural. We'll seek the best interests of others ahead of our own from time to time. <laughs> we'll love the unlovable sometimes. We'll be selfless instead of selfish. It's just our new nature. So we'll, we'll do it sometimes. <laughs> Still fighting against free will and renewing that soul, that mind, will, and emotion. It's just part of our Christian journey. We're going to touch on it from time to time. But when we really achieve it, that seventh step that, that Peter's talking about here, that agape love in truth, which is possible, there's nothing... There's nothing compelling us anymore to make the wrong decision on purpose, right? If the, if the sin nature has been removed, Satan's got his butt kicked out when Jesus moved in, trust me. So nothing compelling us like it was before. Then we've come to a complete and perfect circle that we talked about, that I talked about in the book. And we're conformed to the image of Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen? Amen. Matthew 5, 48. Here's the scripture that we see. It's what I've been talking about. And you're already, already a little uncomfortable because I said that word. But the reason that it has to be addressed and it should be addressed from the pulpit. But Matthew 5, 48 says, Therefore be ye perfect. It's the King James just as your father in heaven is perfect. I mean, it's not ambiguous. <laughs> you know, the thing about 
theologian is they always try to find a way around things that make them uncomfortable or don't seem realistic or <laughs> whatever. But when you're confronted with those words and if Jesus standing in front of you had said it, you wouldn't say, well, nobody's perfect, Jesus. <laughs> You'd say, yes, sir. Right? right you would. You may not know how you were going to accomplish it or whatever, but you would say, yes, Lord, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, is there anyone here that feels like if Jesus was standing in their presence and quoted that scripture to your face as an instruction, you would say, well, you would not. You would say, yes, Lord. See, here's the truth. You see, I love, I'm a grace preacher. I have a great revelation of the grace of God. I know what it is. I know who it is. And I love him for it. But the truth is, you know, there are people that have made whole church, built big churches, big fun churches with smoke machines and, you know, have to lead you to your seat with the flashlight is so dark, trying to recreate that atmosphere like at your place. <laughs> it's like, man, I thought I was in church. <laughs> well, we just want you to feel good, you know, have fun. Shoot, man. Well, the Christian standard for morality is infinitely greater than any other religion in the world. Amen. And you say, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm not wearing a burqa. You know, <laughs> that seems a little more stricter to me. Yes, that's weird. And that's the devil. You know, cover up something created in God's image. Yeah. How terrible to do that to someone. There are some that are stricter on their actions. There's, what I say, 4,200 religions in the world, something like that. There are many that are stricter on their actions, and Muslims would just be one of them. I'm not picking on anyone, but that's just one that I'm a little more familiar with. But they have laws against women in particular. See, Jesus was, he's the one that came and gave all the rights and privileges to women. Every woman should be a Jesus lover. The biggest part of his ministry was women. They supported him and went with him everywhere. But they have these, these regulations like in the Muslim faith where they can't show their face, they can't speak to a man in public, you know, stuff like that but you know what they do they every time their their elder or father or husband isn't around they do you know just like any unborn unredeemed unredeemed person will do they that that restriction makes them want to do it more mm -hmm. the law never perfected anyone it just pointed out their sin that's what rules do they don't fix you they just make you feel guilty, which makes you mad, which makes you angry, which makes you bitter, which makes you, it doesn't help. But they don't deal with the heart the way Jesus' instructions do here. Jesus is telling us to do things that are humanly impossible. <clears throat> ah, now, you, now you get a sigh of relief. Because <laughs> you know I'm getting somewhere. It's not natural to let people take advantage of you. And not fight back. I'm struggling with my nephew about this for five or six years now. He's a great disciple of the Lord. He loves Jesus, but he was, he just, our family, we, we boys grew up with the wrong attitude about how to get things done. <laughs> and he loves the Lord, but when the Lord doesn't do things his way or, or quick enough, he thinks that he's supposed to be God's instrument. <laughs> <laughs> then he repents again and 
but he's doing doing pretty good. But it's not natural. It's not human nature to bless those who curse you or pray for those who despitefully use you. These are all things that Jesus tells us to do in Matthew 5.44, right? Lost people will love someone who loves them, right? Jesus said, what benefit is that? Even, even the world does that, you know. If you're good to those that are good to you, that, everybody does that. <laughs> but it takes God's miraculous influence on the heart to make people truly love those who hate them. The Christian life isn't just difficult. It's impossible apart from becoming a new creature, a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is that foundational scripture says in Christ we all become new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Remember the phone call I got from the Lord about the skunk in the basket? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. No other religion in the world, though, if there are 4,200, no other religion changes the hearts of people. No one else can say God lives inside them. Only us. Because it's the only true religion. Yeah. And that's a hard truth, but it is true. Love is a choice. See, people don't understand that, well, I'm never going to feel love for that person. So, what's that got to do with anything? Love is a choice, it's a decision made in the soul. And it's not always going to be a feeling. You know, like between a husband and wife, there are some loving feelings there, hopefully. <laughs> Mostly, hopefully. But sometimes they're not. Sometimes <laughs> it's a choice. <laughs> but you do it. Yeah, and that's, that's agape love, you see. When you do it. Sometimes we don't. <laughs> and then the other person just handles your meltdown with agape love. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All other religions preach, do better. Do good, get good, do bad, get beat. Do better. But Christianity goes beyond that. Christianity says, be perfect. Yeah, well, nobody's perfect. Because it can't be obtained through human effort. Therefore, we have a Savior. You, either, you better either be perfect or have a Savior who is. And there's only one. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he offers us his perfection by faith in what he has done, what he has accomplished on our behalf. That's a great place to shout. If I was a more dynamic preacher, I'd have everybody on their feet. But since there's so many of you here, I don't want anybody to get hurt, so just keep your seats for now, and I'll try to get more excited. But that's an exciting truth, isn't it? 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. Raise your hand. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. In Christ. Yeah. That's what it is to be made right with God. To be made in right standing. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You look in the mirror and you're like, really? Yes, really? Get over yourself. God needs you to believe it so that you can share it with others. If you haven't believed it for yourself yet, how can you convince someone else? You know, there's a 
shirt that I have. I haven't worn it in a little while. I think I think it probably looks like a halter top on me now. It's probably why <laughs> if I were to try it. But I saw Joey wear his recently. It's like this shirt is illegal. It's something about Jesus. But this shirt is illegal in 23 countries. 23 countries. It's uh, probably more than that now. Mm -hmm. You can't even preach the gospel on the streets of London, but or Canada. <laughs> Hello. But there's a sick and dying world out there. They need to hear this. But you know what? It's not always in Africa or in some faraway nation. The world. There are parts of the world that still need to receive the gospel, and Jesus will come. But they're right here amongst us. I mean, every day, all day, you're walking amongst unsaved people. And we need to learn and just be praying how to be more effective to get the conversation started. We're not responsible for their response. You understand that? Of course, you don't want to be the offender, right? <laughs> Make things worse. Sometimes God will tell you, don't say anything. You know why? Because he knows they won't receive it at the time. He doesn't want to make it worse. He's waiting till he can get a, a proper time when their hearts are plowed and they're ready to receive something good. He knows, and we don't. So sometimes he will tell you to say nothing. Other times you just go for it. And if they don't receive it, that's a seed sown. You love them anyway. And then somebody else, he'll send, if you keep praying for them, Lord, send workers into the harvest. Send somebody else across their path. Every time you pray, he will answer that prayer. That's why you, those are, that's that's one of the prayers when you're praying for other people and their salvation, things like that. You pray it over and over and over and over again. That's why I told you last week, there's a lot of different kinds of prayers. If you pray a prayer of faith for yourself, to pray it again, one time you weren't in faith. You pray a prayer of faith, then you're just standing on it. You believe it. It's already done. It's coming. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to get off into that. But our goal, our standard for our lives as Christians will, should always be perfection. I'm saying this a lot because I want you to, because all your life, it's like that, that word comes up, nobody's perfect. Oh, yeah, of course. But I want you to understand, God told you, be ye perfect. Therefore, just as your Father in heaven is perfect, you can't get around that scripture. Well, then, some things need to be understood. It's Jesus who has attained that perfection, and you're on your way. In him, you're already given credit, and in him, in your born-again spirit, is already there. You have the mind of Christ, the kingdom of God. It's your soul that's being saved, being renewed daily. Amen. As you progress, as Peter says, toward this goal. Genesis talks about it, Leviticus, all the old, there's, there's types and shadows and pictures of it. 1 Peter 1, 15, 16. I'm not going to go to those scriptures. But it's, it, it, it's always a mistake to use someone else, a person, as our standard. Those who judge themselves amongst themselves or by themselves are not wise. You see what I'm saying? God has to be our standard. Right? That's 2 Corinthians 10, 12, by the way. However, we can't obtain sinless perfection through our efforts. Even, even the Apostle Paul, remember, he, he and, and probably we're no one better than him this life. Probably John the Baptist was up until that time, but Jesus said up until this time. So after, I think Paul was pretty good. John and those guys were awesome. And Peter, I make fun of Peter before he was, before Jesus was crucified, he made a lot of mistakes, but not after. Not after. Man, this dude shadow healed people. He was crucified upside down alongside his wife because he said, don't, don't crucify me in the same manner as my Lord. I'm not worthy. That's a bad dude. So I love Peter. I make fun of him just to, just to make examples, things like that, and make us realize that we're going to make mistakes and do a little bit of stupid on our way to, to get to where we want to be. 
So Paul, he said, I haven't achieved this, but he was willing to be perfected along the way. This is the important part. No, you're not going to be perfect in this life. Not in your natural self. But you should be willing. You should be heading in that direction. You know what I mean? We've got to examine ourselves to see whether we be in the faith. Because if we are, then we're the, the pilgrim's progress is always toward God. Not away from Him. Not stagnant. Amen? Or oh me? Philippians 3.9 well, I'll just quote the scripture that Paul said about that. And I'm probably going to cut this short here right now because I can continue on with this. Get all the other mothers. Philippians 3.12, Paul said, not that I've already obtained it. See, he's talking about the same thing. I've not already obtained all this because he's given instructions on the Christian life and telling us how we, we need to respond to all the wonderful things and blessings and provision and promises that have been granted us, right? He says, but hey, listen, not that I've even already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do how it started out earlier. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. That is a key. Everything, those negative baggage, they're going to be stumbling blocks. Just imagine every time you, you, you get caught up in being depressed and thinking back and just just sad and, and worried and just blew over the things of the past just think of yourself carrying <laughs> pulling around a big boulder with a rope on it <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like how silly it's like I don't know how to get rid of this thing let go <laughs> just let go cast your care upon Jesus I'm going to finish this next week because I promised I would keep it short. But I'm not finished. But I felt like, God, I saw in every one of you that you, you connected with what he was saying. Not finished yet. Gets even better, but we'll talk more about it starting next week. We never finish, do we? We just stop and start again. So praise God. Thank you for everybody who was here. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. All right. We're just going to finish right here. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day, this Mother's Day. And we just thank you for your precious word, your promises. And we just thank you, Lord, for helping us to understand your words and your your um, your instructions for us and how that all works. And, and uh, nothing to be afraid of. We just need understanding. We need to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ so that your word doesn't scare us off. It just draws us to you more because we're, we're infatuated with you and your love for us. And, uh, and we just thank you for doing that today and just moving us a little bit closer to that upward progression in, in Christ as Peter laid out so, so perfectly and beautifully for us in, his, in, in your word, Lord God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you,